0: Welcome once again to Inside LAFC. I am Max. I, uh, I, I did this recording on a Thursday. My guest is Marcelo Balboa, former, he's a soccer hall of famer, former U.S. men's national team defender in the 94, also with the 98 World Cup. And he also is a broadcaster and works with the Colorado Rapids. I think he wears several hats with them. We were going to talk about that game and talk about a bunch of other topics. Obviously, the game was postponed as another COVID case for the Colorado Rapids. But we I still talk to Marcelo. I've already recorded that. It's a fantastic interview. I think I know everything about the sport. I thought I know everything about the 94 World Cup, and I learned a little bit more after our conversation. So uh, stick around and listen to that, especially if you are a defender. This is one of the best defenders uh, America's created. He'll give you some good advice and also grew up in Los Angeles, so we can talk about the L.A. scene as well. And the development of young players I want to talk a little bit about this week. And, um, I certainly feel for the Colorado Rapids. They are a team that's been doing well. Uh, Robin Frazier's doing a fantastic job. I was watching a lot of their footage ahead of the game, uh, preparing for it. And they are fun. They've got some good young players they're banking on got a, a really nice goalkeeper, William Yarbrough. So Things are going well for the Rapids. They had a bad MLS's back, but they have fixed it, and they look like a playoff team until this. So they have now had to postpone three games against Sporting Kansas City, Portland, and this one. And we found out the news of the day of. And I'm sure there were rumblings about the the latest positive that was passed on to LAFC the night before. And I, I don't know how close to LAFC were to actually leaving because they fly the morning of. Which is good. I believe it's going to be their longest flight, um, a little bit longer than the Salt Lake trip. I'd have to check on that. Still, probably around the same amount of time. But this is obviously a very strange situation, and as as I say, I feel for the Rapids. And this was bound to happen. It's happening in every sport. It happened in MLS's back with FC Dallas and Nashville, where they didn't get to play. And credit MLS, they adapted and moved on to the next plan. That said, when it happens to one club, I always start to imagine, what if it happened to more clubs? And the the answer to that question is there would be no MLS. And I just want to take this opportunity, and and this is not a shot at the Rapids because something happens, wrong person gets in contact with someone, and one person gets uh, a positive test, and then there's another one. And we, we know it's very contagious. Is to give credit to the clubs now that they're playing in market and not, and they're all being tested to not fall into the same situation because if more than one club, say it was like six clubs, there is no MLS going on. Just one club has already thrown the schedule, you know, out of whack for Colorado because they have now sporting Kansas cities involved with the postponements. Portland is, and now LAFC. Because of the previous postponements, the Colorado Rapids have their October dance card completely full. They're midweek weekend, midweek weekend. There's no place to put in a game other than after the season is supposed to end November the 8th, decision day. So that obviously opens up another can of worms for LAFC. The first one is a positive one. We knew we were going to miss a lot of our players or off on international duty. If we play after November 8th, Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, Chiqui Palacios, Jose Cifuentes will all be available. And that's good. Now the flip side, this is a strange season and wins and losses. You just want to make the playoffs. You want to win the games, but you you know you're going to absorb some losses. You know most teams are not going to be able to play a full 11. And I don't know exactly who, but because of those four players that aren't available, some young guys were going to get a chance to play. This was going to be a good opportunity. Maybe the academy kids, maybe Mohamed Traore, Bryce Duke, Danny Masofsky, who's not an academy player, but a guy who has earned a chance to play. And that's taken away. And the reason I say that we don't want to lose that opportunity, because we don't know what's going to happen after the season. November the 8th ends say LAFC is in fourth or fifth place and they're like, all right, well, we're in the playoffs. We're firmly in the playoffs. We could do better. Do we want to risk traveling to Colorado? And it may not be their decision. I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm just thinking out loud as I tend to do. Do we make that trip? Do we, how much do we invest in that? Is it something where, Hey, Colorado did it. Maybe they come here. It's not going to be clear cut by any means. And it all comes back. I mean, who knows if this happens in another club, who knows if it happens to LAFC, I, I, LAFC are doing a fan a phenomenal job with uh, the testing and, and keeping the players, you know, all in, uh, in line with what's required for them to play games. But uh, it's, it's getting a bit strange, you know, it's, I don't know what that game's going to look like. So, there you have it. But I, I, it, deep in here, I, I know it sounds good to say like, hey, we'll have those international players. I wanted this game to go on. Once you're getting ready, you wake up in the morning, you want to play that game. A lot of work was done by everyone at LAFC. And I want to, I wanna, nobody mentioned or f- was like, we keep in touch with our entire uh, brand and community team. No one complained or, oh, I did all this work. And I just want to salute them because I know everyone put a lot of work in for every game day. And that's all right and i'm really proud of our lafc team no complaints we get ready for the seattle game and then vancouver for our youtube tv squad but here we are it's a weird year second time we've had a game postponed for two completely different reasons this is a year we won't forget and you've got to have your head on a swivel cuz you don't know what lies at we don't know that said Look forward to playing some games. I'm so happy we have games to look forward to. And great to see LAFC, I didn't even mention this, perform. I'm so happy for Raíto. I know things were mounting on his shoulders for him to be able to score that goal. And now I head off to international duty. And man, am I happy for Diego Rossi for getting that opportunity. Nobody's earned it more than he has. I don't know. This guy has to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop to fulfill his dreams. He works so hard. You could not ask for a better player on your club. You see him in the games when he was the captain, when he's not the captain, having those conversations. I love Diego Rossi and, I, and more and more every day. And I will say this, it's going to be tough with those guys away, but that is not a wasted experience for them. That is something that comes back to the club, representing your country, eyeballs, Oscar Tabades. Gustavo Alfaro, the coaches of Uruguay and Ecuador, they see these guys, they have a huge network. It's a mas- massive opportunity. When we return, a real cool conversation with one of the best, Marcelo Balboa. This is Inside LAFC, please rate, review and subscribe. Welcome back to Inside LAFC. When I, I reached out to Marcelo Balboa about doing this, we were, part of it was to recap the game we just saw the night prior. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and I still wanted to let – me, let me introduce him. Marcelo Balboa, Hall of Famer, part of the 1994 World Cup squad. How are you doing there, Cello?
1: I'm great, buddy. It's, uh, it's unfortunate what's been going on in, in 2020, um, but it's reality now, and I think we're starting to realize more and more of what reality is. Unfortunately, and it's, it's starting to affect uh, games and uh, and situations. But you know what, Max, man, I'm blessed. Mom and dad are healthy. My family's healthy. There you go. Uh, I just got a new puppy and uh, life. Life's good, man. I, I'm not going to complain. I'm alive, bro.
0: Speaking of said puppy, that puppy has overwhelmed your social media. And <laughs> I see you walking the dog and yeah. I have no complaints. It's a good looking dog. And you're very loyal to that breed, correct? The, lab, the Golden yes. Labs? It's a Golden yes, Lab, right?
1: It is a Golden White Lab, um, the white and the black. When I played in Mexico in Leon, um, we, uh, after one of our games, the, uh, the wife decided she wanted to go to the mall. It was kind of a setup already how I got the dog. She went the day before with Gustavo De Soti's wife. They saw the dogs. She told the guy to save them there. She knew I liked the white one. So she brought out the black one first. It was a beautiful puppy. They're like, okay, fine, let's get it. And then the guy's like, oh, wait, hold on real quick. He goes, let me go to the back room real quick. Then he walks out with this little tiny thing that was, I think, Uh eight weeks old, a white lab. And I just fell in love with it. So they passed away a few years ago. So now was an opportunity to... But look around, and I came across this guy who just melted my heart, man. And uh, he's, he's, he's home with me. He walks with me. He's my buddy now.
0: I always have, I used to have a pointer back in the day, and, those, and it was great. I love that dog. But I've only had small dogs since, which I enjoy. And my wife won't allow – by the way, do the labs shed? They do, Correct. They do. They do
1: shit. Not a lot. If you if you bathe them once a week or two, once every two weeks and you brush them, they don't they're not like a golden retriever where they're all over the house. So this isn't too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Wait,
0: wait a minute. I ain't bathing or I'm certainly not <laughs> brushing a dog. I'll bathe him once in a while. So that that would leave it out of the Bredos household. But when I look, at, <laughs> I've never had a, a dog of that breed, but when I look at that face, it's very human. And I can see what you mean. How they just pull you right in like a child. It's, it's got the those ears, eyes. bro. It's the, the ears. ears. It's the ears flopping everywhere. I love it. I one love day, it. one day. If I <laughs> if I move out to Colorado, I have a little more. There you go. A little more elbow room. I'll do there that. You go. I, I did want to touch uh, about what I, I, I'm a big fan of. What the Rapids do, you know, yeah. a club that's been there from the beginning, and I really feel for what they're going through because they've not only had to postpone a third game yeah and now the rest of their schedule everything will get right but the rest of their schedule is jammed and what was an incredible turnaround because yeah. you know I watched a lot of highlights I've watched most of the games I'm a complete MLS geek but you know I, I've seen a real development of that team good looking young players that get yeah. it a, a club with some ambition went out and got a good goalkeeper went out and got a, a young Argentine player to develop yeah. so yeah. that has to be frustrating
1: Um, listen, uh, again, I think it's it's unfortunate. It's reality right now. You know, it takes just one little, where we think we're safe and and all of a sudden that environment hits you and it spreads really quick. So it's unfortunate because Colorado was on a nice little run right there. When you're bringing in guys like Nomaly, you're bringing in William Yarbrough. William Yarbrough was a huge step to bring into this club. So bringing in uh, Galvan, another young Argentinian who is up and coming. So you know, uh, they're moving in the right direction. That's the bonus. I think the good thing is, is Robin has realized what he has, and he's realized it a while ago, and he lets them play. He lets them bring out their personality. And that's when most players play – they're at their best is when they can show what kind of player they are. And, uh, again, it, it's unfortunate the situation that this happened over the last week.
0: And we were ex- – ex- and hopefully this gets in the books and it is played because – yeah, I, I, this is a, could be the big developing a rivalry. We really haven't had the tones of an LAFC Colorado rivalry. Like we've had with LAFC rail salt Lake. We play them all yeah. the time. Yeah, but there's a, not only a potential, but because of the style of play, we both believe this is going to be a multi-goal game. And whenever they play it, it'll probably be the same as well. <laughs> but goals are flying in any way around. <laughs> you know,
1: this year, I think the, uh, the word defending is optional. I think it's almost, like a, it's almost like an all-star game. Everybody wants to go forward. They want to get their goals. Then, yeah, you know, well, we'll leave the four guys and the keeper in the back. But, uh, listen, uh, you guys have a young team. You've got some young players that are coming up, some homegrowns. Um, and you've got Carlos Vela back. You guys are one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. I think everybody's trying to keep up with what L.A.'s doing. So, for us to be able to do what we've been able to do here in Colorado and what Pork has been able to put together with Robin Fraser – Uh, is fantastic. We're competing, we're beating teams, and we're opening up people's eyes, which I think is always important.
0: I saw that Portland beat the Galaxy 6-3, and this is a common scoreline now. So have you thought about maybe uh, coming out of retirement and showing these (laughs) people how it's done?
1: I'll tell you what, if Lexi comes out of retirement, I'll come with him. How's that? Fair? Wow.
0: I saw you guys. (laughs) There's a few... (laughs) This is not. I I I can't t- tell time anymore. But there was like a game. It was USA Mexico reunion. Yeah, and it was yeah. you and Alexi in the back. And I gotta say, you guys look pretty good shape compared to your opponent. You look like you. Were, <laughs> I'm not gonna mention names, but you guys you guys maintained your fitness. It would appear. And we we um
1: you know living up at altitude, walking every morning. Got those big and, lungs. And go, yeah, going up in the mountains and hiking every day. It uh, it kind of keeps you younger, we'll say. Um, I, do, I definitely enjoy my In-N-Out burgers when I go to California. I enjoy my food. I work out to eat, and I love it.
0: Speaking of, I mean, obviously during this pandemic, a lot of businesses and industries, and we feel yeah. for them, have suffered. In-N-Out burger is not one of them. I don't know if you've been back here, but the lines, I mean, we're talking about half a mile. I'm not exaggerating. There's really? some curls, They actually have to go out to the street and curl them around. Wow. It's something else. So if you want your in and out, you may have to go away from the LAX one. Don't go to that one. <laughs> Push out a little bit further. <laughs>
1: I'll move away from the airport a little bit, man.
0: Good. Uh, but you are an LA guy. I am. You grew up Cerritos, right? And you played there. I and Yep. But w- I always like to ask folks, you know, I mean, you've seen the LA scene now, and it's everything's developed in this sport. But what was it like, and how have you seen that develop?
1: You know, listen, I, I – uh... God, it's Long Beach, California. From Long Beach, we moved to Cerritos, California. I went to San Diego State. So uh, I'm a California boy. There, was, there wasn't there was a lot of club teams when I started playing. I started playing, I think like all kids do in California in AYSO. That's where we all started, and we played. And then little by little, we started becoming – you started seeing clubs being developed. Um, as I got older into my 15s and 16s, and all of a sudden – I started playing with Fram Culver, and if you remember that, Tad Bolbach, I had Danny Pena as oh, yeah. a brother, Carlos Pena, I had uh, quite a few guys from UCLA, so um, it, it kind of developed little by little, but uh, it, it's been interesting to watch how, in California soccer, the the advantages you have there, being able to play all year round, compared to Colorado, where come, come, come November, December, we're training sometimes in the academy, and it's it's 25 degrees, 26 degrees, and it's difficult, but uh, to watch what, what California's done with their programming from ODP to club soccer, um, you know, it, we've always talked about it. it's always been a hotbed, and, and to have two teams there, LAFC and the LA Galaxy, I think it's just enhancing what what soccer, what we think soccer could be and should be in the next few years.
0: I know there's been a lot of discussion about the homegrown rule and, you know, And obviously, Los Angeles would like to maintain those players. LAFC and the Galaxy would like to keep those guys. Real Salt Lake have some guys from this area and some other. And I would like to – what do you think? And I didn't expect to ask this question, but should it be be more regional or should we encourage the scouting of other clubs to find those players and maybe open up opportunities – And I don't want to leave an area like Colorado. You guys have good players and there's good players that you have from Colorado, but to leave no stone unturned, but to should the clubs be, be able to kind of have more access outside of their, their realm.
1: Listen, I I think eventually uh, this all leads into a huge topic and that's training compensation. That's what it's going to come down to eventually. And uh, and I think little by little us soccer MLS is starting to get there with the training compensation if you develop a player. But uh, here, here's my problem, Max, with that is let's say the Galaxy don't want a player and maybe LAFC don't, are not that interested, but a team like Minnesota is interested in him. You know what I mean? So uh, maybe he wants to play for Minnesota, doesn't want to stay in LA. So I think the kids should have options. I think that eventually we'll see this. Right now it's regionalized. We have certain states where we can recruit. there are homegrown I think eventually you're going to have to open it up and it does favor teams that are willing to spend the money on their academies and buy those types of players. But I think in the long run, um, if we're going to be like the rest of the world, we want to get on the same European schedules that everybody else is playing. We're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have to have scouts. Scouts are going to start looking. They're going to look to bring players in and eventually you got to open it up. So it's, it's, it's not a free for all, but it's an opportunity for kids to not just be limited to play in one area
0: interesting and I had a list of questions I wanted to do it in chronological order but I've I've blown that up as I tend to do <laughs> so I'll just keep going with the momentum but uh, encouraged by the young players the United States is developing and the one thing I have noticed with this incredible rush of guys that are playing for top European clubs yes there are some guys who didn't play in the U.S. like Sergio Dest to. uh uh, came through Dutch uh, lineage yep. and had the, had the American parent. But you have – obviously, I think the Texas kids are doing the best, but you have yep. guys in New York. You have some guys coming yeah. from Pennsylvania like Christian Pulisic. We could have never seen that. But what – how yeah. have you seen that development of this next group?
1: Uh, listen, um, in, in U.S. soccer, and I've said it before, I think that we take some of the players and we, and we run them to the end of the cycle – and we keep them in in that cycle too long. These young kids should have been given an opportunity before we didn't qualify for the last World Cup. That generation for me was dragged on. We lied on a lot of the older players and uh, and it showed you what happened. So I think the best thing that happened is these kids are getting an opportunity. Um, I'm not worried, I'll be honest with you. I'm not worried about US qualifying for the next World Cup at all. I think the difference uh, these kids, you can see it in their, in their demeanor. You can see it in their, in their passion for the game. When they step on the field and they're wearing that USA Jersey, it's a different look. It's a different feel with this young group. So I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm super excited about this next group of kids that are coming up. They're all playing. Most of them are playing in Europe. The, the experience they're getting right there. And this is no cut on MLS at all because they, most of them started in the MLS through the yep. academy and then went over to Europe, which is a great trampoline right now to go to Europe. But when you're building a team, and, and I take, always take the 94 team, guys that were living together in one area, and then you brought in the Europeans and blended them together, and what we were able to do in 94, I think this next crop of kids, uh, listen, I'm not saying they're going to win the group and qualify. I'm not saying that, but this team will qualify they will get that experience like we did in 90. And they're going to do some damage in 26. They're going to do some damage. This is a team that stays healthy. This is a team that I think everybody right now is excited to see play.
0: But you do need a couple of pieces still, I think. Yeah. And that's going to develop. And you have plenty of time. I I always tell people, don't put too much pressure on 2022. They'll be oh. there. They'll, they'll do well. But yeah. it's until- it's interesting what you said about uh, the old generation, because you US, us isn't exclusive in doing that, where maybe the older generation stayed a little bit longer, yeah. but I think there's parts where you can take some pieces of that generation yeah. and blend them together. And it turns out a little bit better. And yeah. the MLS guys, I, I agree. These European based guys are going to be the core, but you know, guys like Brendan Aronson or Aaron long, whoever they are, are going to yeah. fill, fill that roster. And it's going to be good. I just wish they had a game in November,
1: yeah, but, but, those two guys in the next year or two are not going be, be in Europe. <laughs> They'll be in Europe playing already. You know that. Yes, for sure. So, listen, you need to have that young, you need to have experience. I'm not, listen, I'm not, please don't take that I'm disrespecting the older players. You got to have veteran leadership on that team. Okay, you have to, but you have to have the right leadership the leadership that's not going to interfere and take one of their guys' the spots. There's leadership that comes off the bench, there's leadership in practice, and there's leadership out on the field. So, but I, listen, again, uh, I think that uh, there'll be quite a few players in the next year because the academies are, are really starting to put the money into their academy systems and look at the players that are being pushed and, and nurtured right now and given that opportunity to play. So again, I'm excited about this next group and uh, and we'll see what they can do.
0: The leadership uh, discussion is big because you want those guys, the veterans to be leaders, but you want them to empower. Yeah like a Christian Polisic to be like, this is your team. You're going to be a leader. I'll be on the side. I'll maybe give you some tips, but this is your team. So that's a, that's a, that's a very not slippery slope, but that's tough to execute because of the voices you want to take the younger guy. And maybe I, I have faith that Polisic will probably be that guy, but there you, you still need that guy to kind of support him and say, this is how we do it. Maybe do this instead of this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Listen, I agree, but listen, just because, Polisic is the best player right now. He's got the biggest name. It doesn't mean he necessarily has to be a captain. Listen, I look at a guy like Tyler Adams. I look at a Weston McKinney that are playing in that midfield role, kind of just, you know, seeing the field, almost like a Michael Bradley who played in that role. So you've got to see, just because you're the best player, because you're messy, you're going to be captain. We get that. But in, in the U.S. system, there, there's a few guys, I think, that could step up and lead this team. And you don't have to have one leader. You've got to have multiple leaders on every line. And that's important from, from the goalkeeper to a guy in the back to a midfielder to a forward. You've got to have that consistent chain going forward So the message. But at the end of the day, it, it, listen, you can't force somebody to be captain. It comes out naturally in them. And, and I think, listen, Pulisic is, is definitely the front runner of that. But you also got to look at guys with experience with Jonathan Brooks in the back. You know, I mean, this is a guy that's a leader. He's going to have to lead this group in this next cycle.
0: 1994 World Cup, and uh, you get it's amazing. You know what's amazing is that the the key members of that group, and I'm so happy for it, are still so visible. You obviously Alexi, yourself, and yeah. uh, Winalda, and I. I look at YouTube's at those games, and it, it's hard to believe it happened because there was a. Uh, you guys were not supposed to do it, even if you were hosts. We've <laughs> seen hosts come in, but there was this air of confidence that you knew it. I I know the game at the Silver Dome when you're playing a really good Swiss team, you're down a goal and you respond and you hold on. What was was the spirit with you guys? Did you think, and I know you've answered this a million times, just for my audience, but did you think this was the group that could make that big step? Because we're still cashing in on what 1994 has done. Um,
1: You know, I think think we all had a lot of, of pressure and because U.S. soccer decided, and basically in 92, to make us almost like a club team, they gave us full-time contracts, they they paid for our housing in Mission Viejo, we lived together, we breathed together, we ate dinner together, we ate breakfast together, we all lived in the same proximity in the apartments that were there. So um, I, I think that because most of us were still just coming out of college. Some of us were playing in the, uh, in the Western Soccer Alliance when I was playing with the Nomads or the Foxes and all that. So we were t- almost starting to learn what it was like to be a professional team as a U.S. national team. They played and gave us so many games a year. I think we were somewhere between 40 and 50 games a year leading into that World Cup. So um, listen, I don't think we knew what we could do. I think Bora knew the, uh, what this team was capable of doing. We were still that group that was still trying to gain that international uh, approval after what happened in 90. And, but throughout that 90 to 94, people started recognizing Alexi Lawless. They started recognizing Tony Miola. We had guys playing in Europe. So I think that, Coming into 94, people really weren't really sure what we could do or what we had. And little by little, we surprised people. Listen, we played Columbia probably five times leading, five, six times leading up to that 94 World Cup game. And we never beat them. We lost in penalties. We lost 2-3 nothing. So that was the biggest hurdle we had. We had to find a way to beat that team. We had to find a way to get a victory somewhere in that point but the pressure of having to be promoters of soccer, because that's the first time we've had the World Cup. So we were in the limelight every day um, going through. I had to go through personal stuff with when I tore my ACL in 93, didn't even know if I was even going to make the 94 World Cup team. Guys being cut three weeks before the World Cup in 94. These were guys you lived and slept in, in, in apartments with and traveled with and uh, so we went through a lot of ups and downs, but when push came to shove, um, Bora Bora knew how to put this team together. Bora knew how to motivate us, and Bora made us realize that we can compete with anybody in this world. And, and that's what we did. We just Amazing. went out and competed for ninety minutes.
0: And it showed. And this and most people know this, but to some of the audience who don't, the ninety-four World Cup. Uh, help facilitate, because of the bidding process, yep. Major League Soccer. And we knew that was coming. But then after the success, this was an incredible foundation stone for the league, yeah. is that we knew you guys. And now we had Winald at San Jose. Yep. You were in Colorado. Uh, Alexi at New England. Where yeah. Tab went? Tab was the big signing as well. That's right. He was a very the very first metros, signing. He was with right.
1: the Metro Stars with Tony and Peter Vermes. Yeah, yeah
0: and that made it i mean that was a that was a real coup cuz without that those personalities the, you know the league i mean look it, it was it was a league in its infancy and you wanted to develop something but that had to help in a big way to see familiar faces and help build those markets individually you guys all went to different places and kind of put the tent pole down yeah
1: you know it was um they told us that when the World Cup was over that the league was going to start. And when we found out after the World Cup that the league wasn't going to start until 96, we had to find somewhere to play for a year. So a lot of us were scrambling. Uh, Most three of us went to Mexico. Other guys went to Europe. But they made it clear that they wanted all the American players back from 94. And uh, they told us to write down the top three favorite places you would want to play. So everybody had to put on a list where they wanted to play. And I think we were all, and I was in Leon. I was in Leon. I was playing. I was happy. And uh, I think we were all a little skeptical of what this league was going to be about. And then we see that tab was the very first American player to sign the first MLS player to sign. So when tab signed, cause he was in Mexico, I chatted with him a little bit and Mike Sorber was there. Okay. So now it's getting a little bit more serious. Listen, the only reason uh, I came back to major league soccer, I was in Leon. I was happy. they, treated me so well, being an American player who played for the U.S. national team, they accepted me. And uh, the reason I came back is because Phil Anschutz made a personal phone call to me when Sunil Galati came to visit me. And he's like, can I have the owner of Colorado? And I'm like, sure. Listen, we have our phones now. Back then, there was no phone to Google anybody. I'm like, all right, who's Phil Anschutz? You know what I mean? And the reason I came back is because Phil makes a personal call to me and tells me that he's gonna be the owner. He wants to start a team in Colorado. And the only way he's gonna start that team is if he had the guy that did the funny overhead kick in the World Cup. You know, and I'm sitting there going, I'm like, okay, man, this That's is me. serious. This is, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is serious now. I'm ready to go. So at that point, between talking to Tab and getting a call from Phil Anschutz, that changed my mind completely to, to come back to MLS. But again, listen, as kids, as we grow up, through the national team system, through playing in World Cups, there's only one thing we've all ever wanted. And you can ask any of them, and at one point they're going to come back. We wanted to see a successful league in our country. We wanted to be able to have something that's a legacy that leaves that our kids are going to have an opportunity to play and fans will be able to see. So when they said, Major League starting, this is what you're going to got. This is where you're going to go. We have real contacts. Where do I sign? You know?
0: Did you, hey, did you play with, against, or with, around Sorber? Were you both in Mexico at the same time? We well,
1: were at the same time. I played against Tab and Tigres, and I played against Pumas with uh, Sorber.
0: And our, our, our assistant coach, Mike Sorber, people forget yep. that he blazed yep. the trail like you guys in Mexico. By the way, LFC, we have walk-around privileges in Leon after the CONCACAF. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: don't, don't even start with me. Man. I, I, don't don't to, start I don't have to pay for a
0: dinner. For Uh, the next year or two. Uh, You know,
1: my heart was torn because I want MLS to do well in that tournament. But I'm like, I'm a Leon guy. I have my jersey. I played there. And I'm sitting up saying that. I did a podcast. I'm like, listen, if Leon doesn't go in 100% and take that game serious, they're going to get beat. And what did they do? They went in. They thought they could toca, toca. LA said, (laughs) I was was crushed. I was happy, but I was crushed because it was my team from Mexico.
0: I will just say Leon were first class when we were down there and everything about it. And our, our supporters, they loved our 3252 on their, their going to the stadium. It was, I'm so, I I wasn't going to go. I'm glad I did. And uh, it was, I would go there in a heartbeat. Everyone loved Guanajuato. And if you haven't tried, once we get to travel again, Guanajuato and to the LA to the Los Angeles community, you can drive once, once it's safe, drive down to the CDX CBX Tijuana airport, direct flights. Boom. did you did you pick up a pair of leather shoes or something
1: no. the leather there's fantastic
0: have you uh, i i i was too quick it was all work work uh, work but a lot of people uh went to guanajuato and and saw yep. there. So next time but i want right, to go right. i want to go yeah there. You'll, you'll, you'll match
1: up again don't worry we'll match up
0: again hey leon is first in mexico they're tearing it up they're really yeah. good that's a real right, good club <laughs> I knew this would happen. I do, I, I, So I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I want to ask you three quick questions. Yeah, man. One, because of your Argentine descent, and I know yep. your family, it's big when you see Argentina play in World yep. Cup qualifiers. We have four players representing their countries. It's a huge opportunity. It stinks for the schedule. Uh, I know MLS probably should clear that because it's not just – I know uh, uh, what's – Rusnak is going for a huge yep. game for Slovakia, and, yep. and now Real Salt Lake have to fill in. But we have – Our two Uruguayans, Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi, who I'm thrilled for. And then Chiqui Palacios and Jose Cifuentes. What is it like to, knowing the euphoria down there, to be called up, whether you play or not, to be part of that, not for a friendly, but for a World Cup qualifier?
1: You know what, Um, it's hard to describe sometimes because it's such an emotional thing. You play because you love playing the game, but to put on that jersey, that jersey that represents the country that you're from, that your mom and dad are from, that, uh, that as a kid you had a dream of putting on that jersey. Uh, even if you don't step on the field the first time you get invited in, just the excitement of being able – you have to control your emotions because now you're out there and your adrenaline level goes from here to here because you want to do everything. You want to show the coach everything. But, uh, but what a dream come true to be able to put on their country's uh, jersey and to represent their country. Uh, I got to do it, and it was in Guatemala. And I'll remember that day till the day I die, the first time I put on that national team jersey and walked into the locker room and saw the number they gave me. Even more so when you walk into the locker room and they have your name on the back of your jersey that says USA on it. You know what I mean? So uh, it's a special day, and and it's all of the hard work that they've put in because they've had – Rossi has been absolutely fantastic this year.
0: Yeah, he's earned it. And I'm just going to yeah. circle back to this because we, we were talking about the high-scoring games in Major League Soccer. You're one of the best defenders this country has ever produced. Some advice to young defenders. We have some young academy, Tony Leone, some young defenders, uh, Mohamed yeah. Traore. What advice would you give to them to deal with Major League Soccer 2020 where def- th- there's going to be a higher uh, emphasis put on defending? Yeah.
1: Listen, I think that for any kid, uh, it's very, and I think this is where when we look at the U.S. national team, um, it's far, we've always talked about that back line and we haven't really had a consistent center back. Um, The first thing I tell the kids that want to play center backs is mentally you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with being a center back. You can't be a center back with the ambition to go forward and score on every opportunity. So you have to have that mindset that I'm going to defend, that I'm going to beat my one-on-one battles, I'm going to win the ball in the air, I'm going to be able to play out of the back. And I think it's more of a mindset because a lot of kids uh, just want to play, and, but they want to go forward. They want to take that step and move into maybe a six and then an eight and then a nine. So uh, being okay and accepting that you're a center back and be the best center back you can be. And that means working on one-on-ones. That's huge nowadays, working on one-on-ones, being able to play out of the back, good feet is another thing. And then the other one is like, my dad used to tell me, listen, he goes, there's a lot of people that want to be center backs. He goes, but you have to make yourself different than everybody else. That means you've got to be good on set pieces, on corner kicks, your timing, being able to strike a ball from distance at goal. So that's kind of what, what separated me a little bit because I was able to score goals on corner kicks or on set pieces. But for me, the biggest part, is is accepting and knowing that you're going to be a center back and that's my position I'm going to own it I'm going to work at it and this is what I want to do
0: that's a long list but by the way that got you into uh, that got the phone call from Anschutz from you because of the great (laughs) Uh, (laughs) striking the ball
1: (laughs) I got to I got I can I can strike a ball you know what I mean so
0: it's, it, it's great advice because it's, it's a hard job. It's a real hard job. And that's why there's not as many. But
1: Max, no one wants to defend Max. Max, everybody wants to be a midfielder. Everybody wants to score goals. Everybody wants to be the of forward. Course. How many kids do you ever hear say, I want to be a center back? I don't hear that too often. And I yeah. think that's the biggest problem. Why we lack center backs in this country, because it's fair enough. Keep, if you have one special kid, and he's a good player. You're not going to put him at center back. And your club team, you're going to put him in the midfield, or you're going to put him forward to score goals. You know what I mean? So I, I like again for me, it's it's committing that you're going to be that center back, and you're going to be the best center back in this country.
0: There it is. It's like you're really good. We're not, but we're, we're, you're going to be the center back, even though you have yeah. the skills to be the forward, the center forward. Yeah. There you go. Last thing, 1997, Colorado Rapids. I believe you're the last team to qualify for the playoffs and you made it to MLS Cup. Is that or you're a second
1: Yes.
0: This season I've been We were LA. the 8th seed. We, we were the eighth We seed. were the 8th seed. This season I think we could have a similar situation. I know LAFC fans are getting impatient. We had a good win obviously against Real Salt Lake, but not going to finish first in the West and Colorado might be a team. So this is really do you feel this could be the yeah. season where just get into getting to the dance? And then see if you can uh, find the right partners, so to speak.
1: You know, I, uh, I think that's a Melissa General. You've got to get to the <laughs> dance. True. And when you get to the dance, it's that team that has that little bit of a run towards the end of the year where they get into the playoffs is a team that's in 97. We made a run of one game at the end. We beat San Jose, I believe it was. We get into the playoffs and we make a run to the final. This year, it, it's up for grabs. Listen, there's teams like Toronto, Seattle that are doing really well. They're playing really well. Kansas City at certain times are playing well. Orlando, what they're doing, and Oscar Pareja's doing, is fantastic. But at the end of the day, you got to get it done in the playoffs. And you're one and done. One and done is different. So uh, I think it's up for grabs. I think you make the playoffs, everybody's got a fair chance of winning.
0: And I think coaches are thinking that let's get right by November the 20th or whenever it is, and let's see what we can do. Yep, Marcelo. Exactly. You are the best, brother. Always great. I'm smarter by just having a conversation with you. All the best to you and your family and your puppy. And and hopefully we get this Rapids-LAFC game here at some point.
1: Same to you and your family, my friend.
0: Uh, Thanks. Marcelo Balboa, everyone out there, thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe Inside LAFC. And we'll see you again very, very soon.